The following is a Poppy Chulo Radio original program. The views and opinions expressed in the commentaries and or interviews in the following program are solely those of the individuals and are not views of Poppy Chulo Radio, its parent, affiliate, or subsidiary companies. Welcome to the Central City Citizen, the unofficial The Flash podcast, a poppychularadio.com original series. Poppy Chula Radio, pop culture on demand. Today is Wednesday, November 6, 2019, and I'm your host, Professor X. During this podcast, we're going to recap, review, and dissect the latest episode of the CW series, The Flash. Please welcome my co-hosts, Millie Wood. Hello, Central City. Brittany Garcia. Hey, everybody. Dimitri Wijasinger. What's good, Central City? And Jeffrey Aruz. Welcome back, Central City. Let's jump into our recap of Season 6, Episode 5, which was titled Kiss Kiss Breach Breach and aired November 5th, 2019. Here's the official synopsis of the episode. Barry and Iris go on a vacation, leaving Cisco in charge of the team. Cisco tries to use an AI based on Barry to help him decide what would Barry do in any situation. Breacher travels to Earth-1 and tells Sisko of Cynthia's murder by a hacker she'd been hunting named Echo. Sisko decides to help Breacher only to discover in a vision that he, Sisko, was the murderer. Breacher gives Sisko an hour to turn himself into the Collectors and face justice. But Sisko tricks the Collectors into arresting a hologram of him and then finds and confronts Echo, who reveals he'd used Sisko's face to frame him. After confrontation, Echo is arrested and Breacher apologizes to Sisko. Joe tracks Nash into a sewer, but both come trapped after a cave-in where they discuss the relative virtues of self-sufficiency versus communitarianism. They're then rescued by Ralph, so score one for the community. Later, Nash tells the team he's found a way to save Barry from his impending death. Let's check in on the ratings for Season 6, Episode 5. The episode was viewed by 1.2 million total viewers, down from last week, and had a 0.4 in the demo. Both tied series lows. Damn you, Little Mermaid. What was everyone's initial reaction to the episode? Brittany, let's start with you. Okay, I liked this episode. I think we needed to take a breather um, from all the tension that was going on with the monitor and Barry having to die and all that stuff, although that was mentioned in here and it's supposed to be. This is uh, um, the first half is supposed to have a little bit of the crisis going on, even if the whole episode wasn't about it. But this was Cisco's time to shine, and it's been so long since we had an episode for him, and it was great Carlos Valdez I love him he was amazing his hair was on point the acting was on point and I was shook that they decided to go this route with Cynthia and what happened to her but good episode and always great to have um Danny Trejo back uh Jeff what was your initial reaction how dare you insult the little mermaid I'm just saying <laughs> um I didn't I didn't like... insult it I blamed it for hurting the Flash's ratings oh well there you go I didn't Curse like you, it. Ariel. I didn't like it. I, I no, I didn't like the episode. Um, oh. I didn't. I don't mean to pull a Dimitri, <laughs> but I didn't like 
practically any of Cisco's storyline. Uh, I loved it. You by yourself. No, Don't you, you usually are the one. You usually are the one that shits on episodes. So I'm pulling a Dimitri right now. Um, yeah, I I didn't like Cisco's uh, storyline. I did like the Ramsey Caitlin stuff. I did like, uh, I love how you turned it all existential, Professor, but the Nash, um, Joe stuff was really good. There were, there were just like two little elements of the Cisco storyline that I liked, and that was like 95% of the episode, so I guess I didn't really like it. Well, I guess it's now inevitably time to pull a Dimitri. Dimitri, what was your initial uh, reaction to the episode? So, uh, I'm gonna pull a Jeff. I loved it. I thought it was dope. Um... I, I I don't know. I I loved the the Cisco storyline. I thought I thought it had just enough um, of like the main plot line that it didn't feel like a total filler episode. Um, and also the quality was just right there. Uh, I feel like in the past they've tried to be like, oh, we have the main storyline, but we don't want to do the main storyline this episode. And the episodes have felt very filler. And this just felt like a very natural. Cisco centered episode. It was very true to character. Um, it was very believable. I'm shook by what they did to Gypsy as well, but uh, I'm sure we'll discuss that later. But um, I thought, especially given his totally, totally cringe storyline last season where he has to give up being vibed to quote unquote have a family, I, this felt like much more the the Cisco centered storyline that we deserve and that Cisco deserves. And I agree Carlos Valdez's acting was on point. Uh okay, Millie, it's time a bit of an awkward situation for you as the uh the comparative newcomer to the podcast. Two very positive, one extremely negative. What was your initial reaction to the episode? We have to side more towards uh the side of Jeffrey. I agree like oh. I love vibe. I love that they gave Carlos a chance to really shine in this, but it definitely felt like a filler episode, um, especially with like what we're ramping up towards. It's like we don't really have that time, but at the same time, I, I enjoy how they did kind of give the opportunity for all of the other characters to um, shine in the spotlight, kind of putting Barry and Iris to the side. Um, I think that really what it does is it allows them to kind of come to terms with Barry's death or, you know, quote-unquote death. Uh, but otherwise, it just it didn't really move me too much overall, though. Well, in my role as president pro tem of the Senate, I must come down in favor of Brittany and Dimitri. This was a really good episode. Um, I thought Cisco was great. Um, you know, it, it sort of played off of, you know, the consequences of his decision uh, last season. And uh, I agree with, with Brittany. Uh, Carlos Valdez knocked out of the park, uh, and so did his hair. Uh, but before we get into a thorough recap of the latest episode of The Flash, here's our announcer with a few special announcements. Binge listen to your favorite Poppy Chula Radio podcasters discussing some of your favorite television shows. Visit poppychularadio.com slash podcasts for a complete list of all the podcasts that we produce. You will get up-to-date information on whether the podcast is currently releasing new episodes or if it's on hiatus. You will also be able to click a link to either take you to Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or the Poppy Chula Radio archives to download the podcast. To binge listen to your favorite Poppy Chula Radio podcasts, visit poppychularadio.com slash podcasts. Would you like to be one of the podcasters on this podcast discussing your favorite television show? Email talent at poppychularadio.com. We are always looking for new voices to add to our collection of podcasts. 
To become a co-host you must be at least 18 years old. You must be comfortable sharing your opinions. And you must be comfortable using Skype. There's no podcast experience required. So if you think you have what it takes to be a Poppy Chula Radio on-air personality, email talent at poppychularadio.com. We look forward to hearing from you. This is a Poppy Chula Radio special announcement. PoppyChuloRadio.com is currently looking to expand its web presence, and we're looking for your help. If you're a fan of Poppy Chulo Radio and its signature series, please visit GoFundMe.com slash PoppyChuloRadio and help us with our campaign. Every dollar amount donated will be improving the Poppy Chulo Radio experience and making it more interactive and user-friendly. We thank you in advance for your support. This has been a Poppy Chulo Radio special announcement. We now return you to our regularly scheduled programming. Thanks, announcer. The episode opens with Cisco being arrested, then we jump back in time to see how he got here. Uh, a cold opening like that's kind of a staple of the Arrowverse shows, but it seems to me they don't do it as often on Flash, or maybe it's just they haven't been doing it as much lately. Uh, Millie, how would you like the way of framing the episode, sort of showing us what's going to happen 12 hours from now, uh, and then taking us up to that point? I liked it. I think it added a little bit of mystery. Um, coming in, though, I was very confused as a, as a viewer because, like I said, it is an Arrowverse thing, but I don't think the Flash really employs it as much as other shows such as Arrow. But I, I give some mystery to it and kind of, I think, add some layer to the whole vibe Cisco storyline. Uh, well, and uh, as we were talking about, this really was a Cisco-centric episode. But before we get to Cisco, we get a little explanation of why Barry won't be around. He and Iris are, Iris are going off for a quick vacation. Uh, Jeff, you're a hater. You hate everything and everyone. Uh, what did you think of their decision to to get away for a little bit before the crisis comes? Well, it made sense because, you know, they are a couple and, uh, you know, they want to, you know, get in a few shebangs uh, before everything shebangs. Pregnant. So, Pregnant. I, oh, there you go. Uh, well, you know, you got to get it in when you go into 12 beaches. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so so I've, I found it appropriate. Apparently, well, at least this is what the Internet seems to think, that they were filming Crisis at this point. And so maybe that's why Barry and Iris, the actors, uh, Grant Gustin and Candace Patton, uh, needed to sort of vamoose for the episode so they could film maybe some crisis-related stuff. I don't know as far as the production schedule and that kind of thing. Uh, logistically, maybe that's what it was, and so that would make sense. Uh, but it was a it was a good reason. I mean, if, uh, if your husband is going to be dying, uh, I could see Iris being like, you know, agreeing with maybe Barry's idea, like, okay, okay, let's go away, uh, let's, you know, have, you know, a final moment together where we can have some fun before we have to actually focus on everything that's headed our way. Well, and, and that raises, you know, kind of a larger, it seems to me, you know, just sort of, you know, with a, a general overview of the episodes we've had so far, for a show called The Flash, it doesn't seem like Barry has been, you know, really playing the lead character as much. And I don't know that it was so much just this episode, uh, you know, for crisis purposes. It seems like, you know, they've been giving. Uh, most of the secondary characters have really been carrying the weight uh, so far, at least since, uh, you know, the uh, uh, the uh, the first episode where, uh, where Barry sees his future. So I just want to open this one up to the floor. What do you guys think about uh, the way the show has been giving more time 
to the rest of Team Flash and and less to uh, to Barry and by extension less to Iris as well. It seems a it seems a slightly odd choice. I think I think the added dichotomy in that um, this is the point in a show where you've exhausted a lot of the main motivators of the central character that you might have introduced, um, you know, season one when we're getting to know Barry. Um, you know, his secret identity is not secret from his loved ones. His love for Iris is not secret, and now they're married. Um, so it's it's the sort of time in a show, especially an Arrowverse show, where you might start to look to other characters to fuel plot lines. But at the same time, we're dealing with a deeply personal plot line for a central character. He's going to die. So it like the pacing feels kind of weird that we're um that we're sort of diverging from uh from him so frequently i i think it's sort of like two conflicting motivators on the writing front that are sort of colliding and that's that's sort of what we're seeing i'm not sure it fully works but i do think it worked for this episode what i think is interesting about what they're trying to do is um, Barry's trying to get the team ready for what it's going to be like without him there. But it's like, I feel like the team is already ready, to be quite honest. I mean, they're a solid team. And I don't know if they necessarily need to be prepared for a life post-Barry, because I feel like they're a pretty well-working like machine already so i don't know if i fully understand that storyline although i do maybe kind of get it uh coming from barry in particular because he's um he's the one that's gonna die so maybe he feels like you know a sense of urgency to make sure that everything is perfect but if he were to actually stop and think about it like his team is actually pretty good so i don't know if um if if this argument that he's making maybe even to himself that he needs to prepare them is really an accurate one based off of where the team is now. This isn't like it's the Flash season one where the team is like, you know, starting to finally gel or, or not starting to finally gel, but starting to gel and that sort of thing. I feel like they've all gelled and they all really understand their place in the team. So I don't really get the whole... Um, like, you need to be leader, you need to do this. Like, they've already lived in a world without the Flash, and they were successful. So, um, yeah. And I also agree with Dimitri. Um, why the fuck isn't Iris the leader? Like, she was the leader when Barry, you know, disappeared. Like, I feel like Cisco needing to be the leader is just a weird storyline point. Because he has nothing to do without his power. Because he has nothing to Well, yeah, I will say this episode reminded me so much how much I hate that storyline, that he got yeah. rid of his powers. Maybe. Maybe that's a reason why I didn't like the storyline as well. Quick straw poll. Just... Did anyone on this podcast, or for that matter, in the entire Flash fandom, like the Cisco has to give up his powers for no good reason storyline? Maybe Millie. No. Careful, Millie. Yeah. It's a trap. I've seen them do this to people before. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
Yeah, I just uh, just yeah. For me, I think it's interesting. I think I think I'm a little more uh, understanding of of taking this plot twist uh, than Jeff because I think it makes sense. You know, Barry's had the sense that you know he's Flash and he's enjoying it and he's saving lives and and saving the city on a regular basis. Uh, but if he knows he's going to die, he's worried about his legacy, and his legacy isn't the Flash Museum or anything like that. It is putting a structure in place that will do his job for him when he's no longer around. So I kind of buy that. But it does seem weird to me that, you know, if, if we know, you know, theoretically he's going to die on December 10th, uh, which means we only have so many episodes with him, you would think that we'd be getting a lot of Flash stuff. And then after he dies, we can deal with the uh, uh, the rest of the team, which I think hurts my theory that maybe they weren't going to kill Flash, but Flash would disappear until the end of the season or something like that, and we could see a world without Flash and, and the team picking up. But I think with them spending so much time uh, with the rest of Team Flash now, I think it makes that a little less likely. Uh, just because they're sort of, you know, burning through the sort of stories that they could have done then. So I, I'm no longer as comfortable with uh, with that little prediction of mine. Uh, Cisco reveals he's ready to take command of the team. Iris apparently has no problem with that. Uh, thanks to new AI that's based on Barry and is called Barry. It works better if you can see it spelled out. Uh, now, Dimitri, given how many bad decisions Barry's made in the past, do you think Cisco should maybe have chosen someone else to model this on? And what did you think about the scene where we get to meet the Barry AI? Um, yeah, I I feel like anytime there's any sort of graphical user interface on the show, they hire the people who made Candy Crush to make it because we get uh we get shown this like weird, oddly cutesy, which is an odd way to sort of represent your friend who's about to die. Um version of Barry just sort of waving and saying banana and stuff. And, um, yeah, I mean, given Barry's uh, history of decision-making, I would argue that um, the, like, sort of other potential candidates uh, for an AI bot would be any other member of Team Flash. Joe. Anyone else in Central City. Uh Anyone in Star City except Oliver Queen, like just anybody else, Barry makes horrible decisions. Um, but uh, it it did sort of um, it it's weird that it it kind of because I know they haven't done it on the Arrowverse shows yet, but at, at least uh, to my knowledge. But there are episodes or uh, comic storylines in which an AI representation of a character has become sentient at dealing with the consequences of that. And this was sort of a very quick uh, shutdown to any of those potential storylines in the future. I was a little disappointed because I was like, oh, which way is, you know, Barry going to go? Maybe this could be a longer thing. But the moment I saw Cartoon Barry, I was like, this is going to be gone in an episode. It's like that stupid weather car thing. Um, It, uh, I don't know, it just... um, I get that it was basically a giant metaphor for being able to own your own decisions, but it just, I don't know, it was, it was a little, it was a little, um, kludgy, campy, I'm, I'm searching for the right word. Although, it did bring, like, some really good humor moments. Like, I did enjoy the berry and uh like because it gave us a callback it was very berry um it it gave us a callback to like iris not being able to cook and like because berry was nervous like what 
is Barry going to say? And it was banana. He was like, oh, yeah, banana. That's my favorite thing that you make me because you can't cook and that sort of thing. So there were were little meta jokes um, in it. The kawaii-ness of the Barry was fantastic. I didn't like that it didn't talk, though. So that was my only problem because there are AIs on other shows that talk. Why didn't Barry talk? Yeah, good question. Um, but Cisco is so confident in the Barry system, he thinks he can take the night off, only to wake up almost gasp, shock, horror, cutting his own hair. <gasps> Thank the heavens, Brittany, he I know almost you were horrified it. by that scene, worse than anything we saw, you know, through Halloween. Uh, but we find Cisco's been sleepwalking. Then Breacher suddenly appears in his bedroom to tell him Cynthia's dead. Uh, again, Brittany, uh, you uh, love to use some Danny Trejo as much as I do. What did you think about that scene and the return of Danny Trejo as Breacher? Okay, I... I had heard that he was going to come back, but I didn't know in, like, what context or what episode. So I was like, oh, cool, we're getting Breach in here. It's going to be, like, one of those fun little filler episodes. But um, from the beginning of this episode, you already feel something is wrong or mysterious. It's just, it's not right. Something's not settling right. So when Breacher comes in here right after Cisco tried cutting his own hair and, like, freaking out, um... I was just like, oh, God, what is going to happen here? But having Danny Trejo come in, you thought his entrance was going to be, like, epic. It was funny, like it, like it always is or has been in the past. But when we find out why he's there, oh, God, um, my heart sank. I was a – I well, not what well, I can say was. I was a huge fan of Gypsy. I really enjoyed uh, her character. I loved her dynamic with her dad, with Cisco. I loved all of that, so – it all just led up to this moment, and I was really, really sad. But I, I was also like, what is happening with Cisco? Why is this happening now? I had a lot of questions, so that's why I think this episode was interesting to me, even if it didn't have to do with the whole overarching um, uh, crisis thing. But I was, I was really into this, and I wanted to know what happened to her. Yeah, I agree. Uh, you know, thrilled though I was to see, uh, you know, Danny Trejo, you know, tearing open a, uh, you know, a curtain in space and walking through it. Um, that was diminished by the fact that he then goes to tell us. And, and like you, I really like Cynthia. Uh, I thought Gypsy was great. And, uh, you know, knowing that, you know, I kept hoping that this was going to be one of those ones where we find out it wasn't really her or anything like that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, losing uh, her in that way, uh, you know, diminished my joy at, at seeing Breacher. But that said, you know, it, it is just always great to see Danny Trejo. And one of the things I love about him as Breacher is I always say I love to see good actors having fun with it. And I always get the fun that Danny Trejo is having a lot of fun playing mm-hmm. Breacher, uh, you know, all the elements of him. So uh, it, it was great to see him back, but, you know, it would have been nice under uh, happier conditions. Um, so I mentioned, uh, you know, Camilla, or, or the, I mentioned that uh, Cisco uh, went to bed. Camilla was there. Camilla's been a pretty minor character so far this season, but she really stepped up this week. Uh, she even accompanied Cisco to the crime scene where his ex died. Uh, you know, I don't know, maybe just to make sure the ex is really dead, relationships are complicated. Uh, uh, Jeff, what you do you I'm just, I'm just, I, you know, I, you know, you, you always are you know, curious. About we the don't ex, know Camilla that well. Make sure she's dead. Uh, Jeff, what did you think about Camilla in the episode and her, uh, the development of her relationship with Cisco? I will say, as much as I didn't like the overall storyline that Cisco was involved in, I did like Camilla a lot, and I found her to be a really good and supportive partner in the relationship. Uh, there were there was a little bit of humor as far as uh, a certain four-letter L word that was going to be said and that kind of thing. I thought it was hella awkward that he was going to say it at the crime scene of the ex. I'm like, really, dude? Like, 
come on, man. So some of the humor was interesting. Uh, some of the, the, the romantical stuff was very cutesy. I enjoy their relationship. And uh, even though it was a little weird for her to, like, um, you know, follow him and shadow him while he's going through this, uh, she ended up being a, a really good um, sort of rock for him while he was going through a little bit of the of sort of like the emotional turmoil of the storyline. And I did like that she was like, um, because at one point he was like, you know, you shouldn't go. It's going to be dangerous. And she's like, but I said I wanted to go. Like, I want to be there for you. Like, I felt like it gave um, it gave Camilla uh, it, like a nice little moment for her. Uh, anyone else have any thoughts on uh, Kimco? Yeah, I thought it was um, I thought it was a great. I kind of feel like this sort of extreme uh, handling of Gypsy is a way to sort of, I don't know, almost aggressively steal fans like anyone who might be like, oh, I don't really like the new girl. Like, I still like Gypsy, whatever. Just like, um, we're not going that storyline route or whatever. Um, but I did think, you know, I mean, it was kind of horrible, but it was also like, it was nice in that her character was like clearly remembered with with fondness and you as a viewer, like, feel her loss, even though the actress isn't in this episode. Um, I I thought it was a, a great way to sort of uh, maybe uh, present Camilla in an even more endearing light. She's very sympathetic through this whole episode. Um, I particularly love this scene where Cisco's like, obviously uh, beat up about uh, Gypsy's death, but He's also worried that Camilla might think he's still hung up on her because of, you know, how he's feeling. And she's like super sympathetic. And she's like, I'd, I'd be weirded out if you weren't sad and stuff like that. And I think uh, I'm, I'm a huge Camilla fan. So I, uh, I think this episode really sort of showed uh, Cisco's new love in a, in a very positive light. Uh, Breacher introduces the idea of breach psychosis, the idea that by taking the cure, Cisco might be going crazy, hence the sleepwalking and maybe even the killing of Cynthia. Millie, did you buy breach psychosis as a possible explanation? And did you think maybe this was going to be a way, uh, sort of a backdoor way to, oh, Cisco's going to have to get his powers back? I did for a hot second. I was like, yes, because I am not a fan of this whole powerless Cisco. So I was like, I'll take anything. I'll grab any kind of uh, any kind of bait they'll throw at me. Um, but I do wonder if it is a thing that might come into play. Like they put it out there, maybe breach psychosis will come back into play. And um, like we saw, I think the season premiere. You know, Cisco is in his vibe outfit during at least one of the many possible endings that Barry saw. So maybe this is kind of their back door in. Um, so yeah, I fell for the bait, but I'll take it. Or maybe when Barry, you know, uh, flashed to see the future, it was wash day, and that's the only thing uh, Cisco had that was clean. <laughs> that so, I mean, we don't know. There's so many possible explanations. Uh, Brittany, you seem to be uh, laughing when, uh, when Millie was answering. Uh, what did you think about the breach psychosis and the possibility that, aha, finally we got an excuse for him to get his powers back? Yeah, I was like... Um, I was thinking about how in X-Men 3, they had the same thing with the cure, but maybe it wasn't a full cure or it just suppresses your power. So I was like, finally, we're going to take it. X-Men 3, also known as season five of The Flash. 
Yeah, it was just, uh, yeah, we, we, we don't like to talk about X-Men 3, but that was something I actually liked because I am a Rogue fan and I understood where she was coming from. Now, she had a reason to take the cure. I don't know what was going on with Cisco, but if this is where we were headed, I was like, okay, they're going to do something interesting um, with his storyline because I still don't understand why he wanted the cure. Like, I, I could go and rewatch those episodes, but whatever. This is what we got for the episode. I liked it. I was interested but i was also kind of scared with because i was already starting to put the pieces together i was like oh god this the psychosis and then gypsy and breacher coming back what what's going on here and i was kind of freaking out a little bit and i was like see cisco this is why you should have kept your power so you could be relevant and iris can be the leader you know how she's <laughs> supposed to but uh so you can be relevant i'm sorry he's He's always It's a been... good thing you sugarcoated that, otherwise it might have come off harsh. <laughs> no. I mean, to be way fair, harsh, Ty, have... way harsh. He, he didn't have powers for, like, the first season or two, you know, and he was still very helpful. I mean, they could have gone back to that, but now he just seems like we need his powers now in, in like, season six. Like, we need him as Vibe now. Back then it was acceptable for him not to have powers, but we need Vibe now. We know how important he is, so I wanted to know where they were going with this, but I was, again, this episode had some, like, um, these dreadful moments that I wasn't sure where they were going to go with it, so I love Cisco, and I don't want him to go through trauma, but, bruh, you know, you took that cure, and what were going to be the consequences? It couldn't have been that easy to just get rid of your power, so I was interested. So Cisco and Camilla go to the crime scene, uh, and uh, there they meet uh, members of Gypsy's team, the Collectors, and uh, they also meet uh, the head who is going to be replacing Gypsy. Just want a quick show of hands. My hand is in the air as I ask this question, uh, even though it's you know an audio-only podcast. Uh, who here thought that the guy who replaced uh, Gypsy was you know he was such a douchebag? Uh, I just assumed. Well, that's the killer. Anyone else? Hundred percent. Hundred percent. Yeah. Oh yeah, me too. Absolutely. And or his clone. on Twitter, like a huge portion of of the Twitter viewers were like, "That's the guy. That's yeah. him." Either him or his doppelganger, because I f- I felt like with the name Echo, Echo, yeah, we were gonna too. get a doppelganger of someone. Me too. Me too. Yeah. It, initially, I thought it was gonna be a doppelganger of him, and then I went to a doppelganger of Breacher because I thought that would be fucking twisted. Uh, but then they ended up going the other twisted route, which was just as twisted. Uh, well, we'll revisit the Twisted uh, in a moment, but uh, yeah, it does seem in this episode the writers were jerking us around a little bit. Like, the expectation, oh, this is how Cisco's going to get his powers back, and oh, it's uh, it's going to be this guy. Nope. And the writers were just like, ha ha, we see what you're thinking there, and we raise you. Uh, but Cisco and Breacher recreate Cynthia's death uh, and see Cisco's face on the killer. And I guess that seems pretty open and shut, particularly when Camilla finds the murder weapon in Cisco's lab. Was anyone, even for a moment, thinking Cisco had done it? Um, maybe for half a second, yeah, because of breach psychosis and that kind of thing, they made it seem like a real thing, which I thought, man, this is going to be quite a character thing for Cisco if he did end up killing her. And then I was like, well, then probably he won't be the one that ended up killing her. You know, it's going to be a situation where, you know, uh, you know, it's made to look like Cisco did it, but he didn't do it. I was uh, I was wondering if this was like a Thea Queen situation, but uh, then mm-hmm. the whole tone felt too sort of extra campy one-off to have such an important character development point. 
So I, I sort of agree with Jeff there that like based on the overall tone of the episode, I was kind of feeling like, nah, it's about that would be such a huge turning point for the character and the whole tone of the episode, despite Gypsy's death, doesn't really match. Yeah, that's interesting. I never really thought of that comparison, but like a Thea Queen Sarah Lance type of situation with like bloodlust and and then you have to deal with all of that. Um, yeah, I'm actually now kind of glad that they didn't go that route. Um, well, I, I'm going to address that in a second, but uh, we do uh, catch up with the start of the episode with Cisco being arrested, only to reveal he's tricked them with the hologram. Uh, he's tricked them into dropping the barrier so we can go find the real killer, who turns out, as we said, to be a doppelganger of his. Uh, so, uh, Brittany, what did you think of the Cisco hologram trick and the Cisco meeting Cisco scene? Just, I want to provide a little background. I was reading that uh, Carlos Valdez was saying they basically rewrote that scene the night before they started the episode. Apparently, Echo was going to be much, much creepier initially. Oh man, I would have, I would have liked to see his actual um, getup to see how creepy he would. That would have been really cool. But I do, I don't mind that they took this route with uh, um, having the same face as Cisco and stuff. But great fake out. Um, I did not see that coming. Um, but I also was at the point of the episode where I was like, okay, this can't be Cisco. Like they're not gonna, they're not gonna put something this dark when we have crisis already looming over us. So I was like, okay, go and figure this out, man. Let's go see what's going on. And that whole, I can't believe they gave Carlos Valdez a, a fight scene. It was really messy, and it was all over the place. It reminds me of the fights I saw in high school. Um, but it was oh. great. Uh, I saw some interesting fights, let me tell you. But, saw um, or was involved in? I saw. I am not one for violence, no matter how much, you know, I You enjoy the like, killing. I enjoy the killing, and Given Arrow is my favorite show, and there's a lot of killing and fighting and choreography, but I meant in the messy way of, like, people don't really know how to fight. They're just kind of grabbing and throwing each other everywhere, but you could tell this Echo guy wasn't some martial artist guy either. It was just kind of, he, he was really playing the psychological game, and I think that's what I mostly enjoyed about this scene. It was the way he talked about how he got rid of Gypsy, how he killed her, and I think it just really hit close to home with him saying, like, oh, I took on your face to frame you. But, you know, that's also the reason why she died, because she saw your face. And in that moment, I was able to kill her. I was like, holy crap, that is dark. And I loved it. Why am I Wait, like hold this? <laughs> but a quick pause, quick pause, quick pause. Echo didn't, like, Echo's not a shapeshifter, right? Like, Echo is a Cisco doppelganger, right? Uh, No. He's yeah, that's what I thought. Is it? I That's thought he said I, he just took on his so. face. I thought he said he took on oh, his maybe. face on purpose. Well, see, I was oh, confused yeah, because, because yeah, he has the power Cynthia. to rewrite yeah. stuff. So, yeah. but I thought he was a Cisco. But then maybe because I read somewhere else where people were like, "No, he took Cisco's face to 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 do what he needed to do to frame Cisco." But he also talked about that he has the power to rewrite realities and he can, you know, overnight, you know, change you into someone else and that kind of thing. So I was hella confused. But yeah, uh, I, yeah, I interpreted that as like he's a hacker, like he can change your like government yeah, records. And stuff. Echo. Oh, I took it as he can hack your your life, not just your records, but like he can hack into the universe and completely change who you are. And like the next day you wake up and you're a completely different person. I don't yeah, know. No, I thought I'm, it was like, more that he could, 
it was partially that, but it was that, you know, he would rewrite that person so that someone else could take over their body. So if, if you found that the version of you living on Earth-27 had a better life, you could pay Echo and you would end up taking over that uh, doppelganger's life. Sort of the Rick and Morty approach. Yeah, maybe they didn't explain it that well. If we're all, we all have different interpretations of he it. He explains it in that scene. That's why I thought that's how I got it. But maybe we'd all have to like watch it again to get it. But that was like what I ended up getting was that using Cisco's face was like perfect because Gypsy, he knew Gypsy was hunting him, and he had some info on Cisco and used his face. Um, but if not, either way, tragic that he had Cisco's face, and it was the one thing that was able to to kill her but oh god that was that was harsh but cisco outsmarted him and that was you know a plus for cisco this is where i'm like okay you don't need your vibe powers you have your your intellect and i will always praise cisco for that and a bit more of a gut punch uh, for cisco there uh, finding out that it was inadvertently in a way kind of him yeah. or cynthia's uh, you know uh, feelings towards him uh, that that caused her to get killed by just that brief moment of hesitation. Millie, what did you think about the way uh, Cisco caught Echo? Uh, I figured he was tricking him to using the gun, uh, but we did get, you know, as Brittany was saying, the uh, the interesting fight scene between Carlos Valdez and Carlos Valdez. <laughs> I liked the fight scene. I think I liked it because it was like the first fight scene we've gotten in a while that isn't somehow like meta power involved. It was literally just like fist to fist, which I thought was I thought it was a nice touch, and I enjoyed how. He did lure him in um, and just played like an absolute. I'm surprised how they can go darker because he already seemed quite a disturbed character. So I would have kind of liked to see what the initial version was if they had to like dial it back. Um, I think that would have been fun and would have shook Cisco more. Uh, but I, I enjoyed it. It was fun. Um, and it, it gave Carlos Valdez some, something to do, you know, rather than just kind of standing around. <laughs> that light. It's funny. I'm the one that didn't like it, but you all are saying all these. It was for fun. I, very, I no, well, fun, I, y'all you know? are saying harsh things about these characters. It's it makes me laugh. Well, I agree. I, I agree that with uh, with Brittany and Millie. I think it was good that we didn't see, uh, you know, uh, either version, uh, you know, uh, whipping out the kung fu moves or anything like that. This was a fight between two people who can't fight. <laughs> and uh, and I thought it was great on on shows where you know there's usually so much intricate fight choreography. This was two guys, as Brittany say, it, it looks like something that broke out in a high school uh, cafeteria, you know, over a couple of Twinkies. And uh, uh, and then of course you know the fact that uh, Cisco had manipulated him. I th- I like that as well. Uh, Breacher apologizes to Cisco for doubting him, then invites him and Camilla to Cynthia's remembrance ceremony on Earth 19. I. Sure hope that ceremony happens before Earth-19 disappears in a clown of antimatter. Uh, any final thoughts on Breacher and his uh, relationship with Cisco and Camilla? Dimitri? Um, I mean, I, I think it, it did feel uh, a little more sort of feeding into my hypothesis that this episode is largely to get any fans who are holding out for Gypsy's return to not do that and get on board the Camilla train because it's like, oh, look, even Gypsy's father is like, Oh, Cisco, you found a good girl, and you both are invited to my daughter's remembrance service and stuff. It felt a little weird. I get that people can, you know, totally be, like, a class act in real life, but, like, it it, it was, like, maybe a little rushed or something. But, again, this was sort of a, a one-off type episode, so they had to kind of wrap everything in a bow by, like, the hour mark. So it was, like, um, I mean, it's always great seeing Danny Trejo, uh, but... Uh, but it, uh, I don't know, it seems odd, like you, you meet uh, 
your daughter's ex and your daughter's lingering feelings for that ex are what got her killed and your daughter's ex has a new girl and you're like, my daughter would have liked you and you both should come to the Remembrance Services. I mean, you know, maybe he's, that is a mature thing to do, but I mean, that's a lot to process. Do you think it's lingering feelings based off of like Cynthia's part? Or do you think it was just the shock that it was Cisco's face? Because I, I didn't really shock, interpret it. Just a soft spot. That's yeah, it. like I didn't, I didn't take it as because like lingering feelings can be interpreted as like she still wants him, and I don't know if I didn't interpret. I, that I, I, I don't. I don't know if I, I don't know if I necessarily like interpret it like that way. Like, um, like I, I think there's a lot of people who like don't want their ex back who would maybe still. Uh, feel something if they like saw their ex randomly unexpectedly um so it, it's not not so much like I, I think it was largely gypsy who wanted sort of to to end things um or well that episode was a little convoluted but um i, I but i think it's like you know if you, if you see your ex randomly it's like you know it someone you care about it's like uh it's like a you know a shock um, especially when they're trying to kill you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I know that's always always been awkward for the me. Relationships you go for, uh, in which case, make better choices. Don't 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 do that. Uh, speaking of better choices, Ralph tries to assist Frost, who insists on going it alone in the search for Ramsey. Well, not entirely alone, because it's Caitlin who confronts Ramsey, who offers to share his eternal life with her. Uh, Jeff, what did you think of that scene? Uh, I thought we'd find out it was Frost all along in a wig and uh, brown contacts impersonating Caitlin to get the drop on Ramsey, but apparently not. Yes, uh, I did think that for half a second as well. Uh, Professor, I just want to ask, have we moved away completely from Cisco and Camilla? Uh, I was going to, unless there was something else you wanted to Okay, I just want to make up, just want to, because I've been, you know, I sort of give my opinions that I didn't really like the storyline. The two things that I really did like outside of how they used Camilla, I like that they said I love you to each other, and I love that it was, like, hella awkward, because, you know, it can be hella awkward in real life, so I I thought that was handled really well, and I really liked Cisco's shirt in that scene when he said I love you to Camilla. Uh, That white shirt with the squiggly gray lines, I would wear that shirt. I I I like that shirt. So those were the Having two. said that, I do miss Cisco's uh, fun science t-shirts. Yes, I do miss those as well. He actually has really good fashion sense. Um, all right, back to the Frost of it all. I like the storyline for both Frost and, um, and Caitlyn. Uh, it was great to see Caitlyn again. We've been talking about where's Caitlyn. You know, can she pop out? Kind of like how Killer Frost used to pop out. And um, I-, I thought this was a really great moment for for both of those characters, those two-in-one characters, as well as for Ramsey, because we needed to see how far Ramsey has gone. And this wasn't an episode that featured Ramsey a lot. This wasn't, uh, you know, he didn't get the A plot in this storyline, but we needed to be reminded that Ramsey is out there as a threat. At the start of the episode, we learned that two weeks had passed since the previous episode, so time is moving at an accelerated pace. And um, since this episode took, um, 
what was it like it was they it took um took place over the course of uh, a night or two um you know we needed to know that ramsey was out there doing nefarious things uh clearly we got a better understanding as to what his plans are i didn't really understand it i guess you know he wants to suck people into his body so they can live forever inside of him i guess whatever tickles your pickle um the the goo seems to be um really take a hold taking a hold to him because he's all extra black veiny and stuff uh I, I was really interested to see if caitlin was gonna at least reach him you know maybe for like a moment but clearly he's way too far gone now and um i i feel like i don't know if there's a cure so they're gonna have to take him out not to pull a britney uh- I just need to pause the uh, podcast for a moment to acknowledge the phrase tickle your pickle and pray that it's never uttered again. Okay. Uh, finally, <laughs> Joe's been following Nash Wells. Nash says he knew Joe was observing him, and Joe says he wanted him to think that. So they're clearly at odds, even before a brief struggle brings down the roof. That leads to, as I said before, a fairly philosophical discussion between Nash, who argues we're stronger on our own, not needing other people, and Joe, who argues for the strength that comes from having a community. Um, uh, I'll just open this one up to the floor. What do you guys think about their discussion and how they handled the different views? It takes a village. I thought it was a beautiful moment for both of the characters. It was a great bonding moment for both of them. Uh, it was great to get uh, Nash's POV. Clearly, we know Joe, and we knew Joe was going to be on the opposing side of it all. And it worked. It was a really interesting conversation. They were in a bit of a dire situation. I, truthfully, did not know how they were going to get out of that. So when uh, a certain somebody came in to save the day, I was like, okay. Uh, you know, I was a little worried, but uh, I guess I didn't need to be worried. Uh, but this was a storyline that was needed uh, so that the characters could kind of bond a little bit, a little bit more, because he's been bonding with some of the other team members. So now it was Joe's turn. And then because it was Joe, he dropped a little bit of intel, which allowed Nash to drop a little bit of intel, which will lead to the next episode. I kind of thought it was like the the ideas were interesting, but the the conversation felt really forced and uh, kind of trite. It reminds me of if anyone watches Netflix, uh, Daredevil season two, which is like there's this really weird, slightly disingenuous scene where Daredevil and the Punisher just sort of debate the merits of their different approaches and. It would have been so much better to see that sort of play out across the season rather than, like, I don't know, 20 minutes of talking. It wasn't 20 minutes, but um, this felt even less genuine um, because Joe comes off sort of space cadet-y, like, oh, I just have a feeling someone will find us, Um, which is not the sort of practicality that you expect from a police captain. Um, Nash's view sort of makes a little more sense, but he comes across a little harebrained. He almost gets them killed a couple of times. So I don't know. I, I get that they were trying to have like a big philosophical discussion, but I, I don't think the dialogue pulls it off. And it does seem to be a recurring theme throughout the Arrowverse shows that you have this this you know sort of traditional view of the lone hero uh, who always becomes stronger by developing a team and by developing these relationships and, and learning to depend on each other. Flash went through it. Uh, Arrow went through it. I think uh, Batwoman is currently going through that. So I think that is a, a, a fairly standard trope uh, in the Arrowverse shows. 
Um, ultimately, the two are rescued by Ralph, which proves Joe's point, and Nash ends the episode by suggesting he has a way to save Barry. Huh. Well, I guess that means crisis isn't happening, everybody. I was worried there for a moment. I mean, unless anyone thinks Nash was lying or wrong. Uh, Millie, what do you think is going to happen next? I think, I don't know. I'm kind of stuck on what what his whole, his solution, his problem is. I think, obviously, sorry to burst the bubble, doctor or professor. um, It's not probably going to solve crisis. Um, But I do wonder if maybe we're going to get some more insight into that layer that he found. Maybe um, the monitor, anti-monitor, maybe we'll get some insight there. I'm hoping. But, like, in the grand scheme of things and the whole kind of purpose of Nash Wells, there wasn't much progress on getting closer to crisis. So I wonder if the next episode is going to give us a larger leap with him kind of leading the helm. Professor Millie gave you a promotion. Uh, well, you know, you don't know my <laughs> academic background. I'm oh, a professor. Some of us have PhDs and stuff Dr. like that. Dr. X. Uh, does anyone else have any thoughts on uh, where we go next? Uh, I, I was going to say, yeah. I think maybe, um, maybe Barry is, something will happen to Barry. I don't think he's going to die. Um, and that's why we're not spending that much time with him, like, versus, say, how much time we're spending with uh, with Oliver right now in the final season. You know, everything's – and, well, I mean, also it's the final season, right? But we're spending a lot of time with him because we know he's going to die. There's something more dire about Oliver's situation versus Barry's right now. Not that I'm saying – that doesn't make berries as important because I do think we're going to get like that ultimate Iris and Barry moment before crisis or even during or both. We could still have both moments, but um, I think they're downplaying a little bit of what's going to happen to Barry as far as death goes. But I do think something's going to happen to him. They've been teasing him vanishing since season one. So I have to assume there is something that's still going to happen to him. And I don't know if I trust, trust this Nash guy yet. I don't know what he has in store yet because if all the other Flash seasons have proven is that um, they haven't really been able to change uh, futures entirely. So I want to see what they're talking about here with Barry. Um, But I still think something's going to happen to him, to be honest. Yeah, I wonder if, Professor, if your theory comes true maybe not completely i don't know if he's going to disappear for like the rest we of had the season in, we had that in what was it season five or four where he disappeared into the into the speed force for a long time and yeah. then he came back so i don't know if they want to re like redo that you know because we still need this house's bitchin i'm just saying unless marno vu shows up to the damn house and is like this house is bitchin or something like i need this oh. house's bitchin like, I need that in my life. So I do wonder if, Professor, if some element of what you've predicted will come true. Just because, like, how Brittany sort of just said it. Like, this has been a part of the Flash mythos since the very first episode, right? So we need some sort of payoff. And we know what Oliver's doing. And I love the juxtaposition that you just made with, um, you know, what with Arrow. It's very Oliver centric, but that's also it's also the final season. And right now we're dealing with Barry potentially dying, and we're not getting that much Barry. That that's interesting. Um, but Oliver is going to make a sacrifice. We know this based off of the deal he made with the Monitor to go off with the Monitor. So, is he saving 
Barry and Kara with the sacrifice that he's doing? Will they find out? Um, will that uh, be sort of the answer to the Flash disappearing, but still there, there's something else will happen and he'll disappear for a little bit? I guess we're going to have to wait and see. I, I do feel like Oliver's sacrifice needs to be addressed at some point. Let's be real. The fact that Earth 2 no longer exists needs to be addressed at some point. Um, something that has been bothering me uh, about this show, Supergirl, Batwoman, we're not we're getting a little bit of a crisis buildup, but we're not getting a lot of it. And I wish that crisis was a little bit more towards the forefront because... Um, we still have a lot of questions, and I'm I am worried. Even though I'm hyped about Crisis, I'm worried we might not get all the answers, or we might not get the proper setup uh, to it all. So I, I just I hope that uh, the next couple episodes maybe become a little bit more Crisis heavy, and uh, we get some more details because I feel like we still are questioning the motivations of uh, the monitor. I mean, if you're watching all of the shows, you know, we have the monitor, we were introduced to the concept of the anti-monitor, and we need a lot of details. And I, I would hope that once we get into crisis, we would have those details as opposed to maybe they're saving all the details for a crisis. And so we're going to get just a large info dump that very first episode. But I was hoping that they would sort of avoid doing that so that we can get into like the actual action and um, the, what what I would, what I would assume would be the emotional moments of crisis. Uh, before we move on to the MVP section, was there anything else from the episode? Anyone wanted to mention? I, well, Two things. First of all, Candace Patton's curls. Oh, that I was love amazing that. To oh, see. yes, yes. Um, and I, I believe there's been some some controversy over. I think uh, previously she's always had to have her hair straightened for the show. So I do like that she gets to show off her natural hair. Um, Can I, I just say for Halloween, she looked amazing as Cruella Deville. She looks amazing. Well, full stop. Um, I did not really like the Barry and Iris dialogue in this in this episode because the idea is they're taking like a bucket list trip, but the uh, the tone of their dialogue suggests it's like a oh fun weekend getaway type deal, and I don't know it, it just didn't match up with like the let's take this trip before I die kind of tone. Denial. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I, I, I guess that, like, saying it's denial is sort of a, sort of a easy way of letting the writers off the hook. I just, I don't know. I, it, it seemed a little too, too denial e for people who say they've already come to terms with the fact. Uh, well, she's for, for my like. She's. Yeah, I would say it's not denial. I would say it's acceptance. It's it's that oh. Barry has accepted this is going to happen, and I only had this much time left. I'm going to make the most of it. Well, no, Barry has accepted. I feel like Iris is 100% in denial, and I feel like her saying that she's fine is her in denial, that she's in denial. Oh, it's building up, yeah. It's yeah, gonna, I feel like... 
Dimitri says that it's a little clunky, but I do feel like we will be getting an episode where Iris has a complete and total meltdown, and it's going to be a beautiful day for Candace Patton, because she will be acting the fuck out of it. But, yeah, I I feel like we are going to get an Iris meltdown. It doesn't look like it's going to be in the next episode, so Dimitri will still be bitching about it, but but it's coming. That's what I'm here for. I know. Okay, it's time for the MVP. State which character impressed you throughout the episode and why. Once a character's been chosen, they cannot be selected again, so choose wisely. Millie, who is your MVP? I have to give it to Camilla. Um, I really, I feel like they hadn't done too much prior to this episode to help, um, you know, build her a case of why we should like her, why we should like her Cisco. And I think this episode showed her as a really supportive kind of human being, girlfriend. And so I'm really like on board um, with her and her character. So I have to give it to, um, Camilla for this week. Brittany, who is your MVP? Yay, you picked me. Okay, okay, okay. Okay, I'm taking it back. No, 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 no. <laughs> no, uh, actually, I am going to be picking Caitlin. Oh. I know I, didn't, I know I didn't really, like, mention anything about her in this episode, but I've been noticing they haven't been putting her much in this season. I mean, we've, we had her the most in the premiere and in this episode. Um and I'm wondering if that ha- that has to do with, like, Frost's thing and they're trying to give her more screen time. But the thing is, with Barry, you know, being the one that's going to die and, you know, Kate- it started with Cisco and Caitlyn. Like, Caitlyn should be here more often. She should be around more. So when we got that glimpse of her and trying to appeal to the humanity side of Dr. Ramsey, like, I just remembered why I like Caitlyn so much, which is sad because she should be around a little bit more. Though I love Frost, by the way. Um Daniel Panabaker does an, uh, an awesome frost, but I really enjoyed her scene with Ramsey, and I love that I love that they were able to put this in the episode and not take away, you know, from Cisco's storyline. Um, but seeing how far Ramsey has gone, and when he tells her, you know, next time there won't be a choice, like I just thought it was all great, and I hope we get more Caitlyn because she deserves it. So Caitlyn to me. Dimitri, who is your MVP? Let's see. Um, wait, did I blank out? Has no one seriously picked Cisco? No one has seriously picked Cisco. Uh, Not even facetiously have they picked Cisco. 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 Okay. Cisco. Cisco. Crisco. Carlos Valdez, we we apologize. You worked too hard for this level of disrespect, sir. Um, Yeah, no, I think he acted the fuck out of this episode. What I particularly loved about Echo, and again, I'm interpreting him as a doppelganger of of Cisco, is um, that, I mean, if I understand correctly, in the the comics, uh, Vibe is a villain. Cisco Ramon is a villain. And his character was sort of changed for the show. And I thought Echo gave us a really cool uh, uh, sort of image of what it would be like if Cisco, as we know him, was a villain. Um, and I know we've had sort of evil Cisco's before, but this this was my favorite adaptation. I thought he really acted the hell out of it. Um, the guy really seemed to have sinister intentions. Um and I actually thought the fight scene was was kind of well done, where he seemed to be a little more no-holds-barred than Cisco, um, just in the way they struck each other, which I thought was really, really interesting. Um, 
So yeah, I think uh, I think it was great to have a Cisco centered episode. Uh, Carlos Valdez has always done well. I think uh, it's just a relief to have a Cisco episode where the writing isn't as cringe. Because again, I can't stress how much I hated the giving up my powers storyline. So this felt much more true to character, much more true to form. I think he really got to sort of flex the character that he's built over the years. Um, flex the conflicted feelings of, you know, I, I want to get justice for my ex, but I, I also really want to move forward with this new relationship. And I think he sold it all. So props to you, sir. Jeff, you're a hater, so you're choosing last. I am choosing Breacher. Uh, you know, no surprise, I love me some Breacher. Uh, but I like the fact that Danny Trejo establishes, you know, the uh, the rugged, you know, uh, fierce form of Breacher. So when he does have those tender moments when he's talking about Cynthia, uh, or even the comic moment, uh, you know, towards the end where he's, you know, standing there between uh, uh, Camilla and Cisco, and they're they're going through the love stuff, and he, you know, actually says it loud, awkward. Um, I think, uh, you know, anytime you can get Danny Trejo on. Uh, he's just, uh, you know, such a solid character. And, uh, and as I say, he seems to be having fun with it. And that comes across in his portrayal. Uh, Jeff, you hate her. Who is your MVP? Although I will say Millie hated the episode as well. And she actually dropped the F bomb and I tried my did best. She? I didn't hear her swear. She did. She said filler. Millie, did you swear? She said filler and what? I didn't even say filler. Oh my God. I know she used the F word and I try not to use filler because I feel like people typically say the term filler when they don't like an episode. So they're like, oh, I was just filler. I, I didn't even use that term professor. So I, I behaved. Um, you started it. If you, I, I think you're a bad influence. I think if you hadn't gone and been so negative, I don't think Millie would have used that word. It's funny though, professor, even though I was probably the most negative, you never even asked me anything. <laughs> Millie about, would have oh, used <laughs> that. Uh, Millie would. <laughs> That was a good one, but you didn't we're even here, ask me any. Week, you didn't even ask me anything about the Cisco storyline, so I didn't even go into my hate. I'm just saying, but oh, I will was say, that was that an accident or was that intentional? I know, mm. right? But I will say, Brittany, because you specifically picked Caitlin, it did. Oh, a, damn it! You left an opening. You left an opening for me, Brittany. So I thank you so much because my MVP is Joe. That's called a misdirect. <laughs> I know. I'm going with Joe. I really like Joe throughout in this episode. Um, you know, uh, Brittany did a good job with with uh, Caitlin and that kind of thing. Uh, and uh, Joe, for me, was the star of his little. I guess. Well, I guess the Caitlin stuff maybe was the C plot because the Joe and Nash stuff was a little bit longer. So we'll go with Joe being the star of the B plot. Um, yeah, I liked what Joe said. I liked his faith. Um, I liked, um, you know, how he was sort of um, pitching the idea of um, it takes a village. You need a team. You can't go it alone to Nash. Uh, yeah, uh, Jesse L. Martin uh, usually knocks it out the park, and I thought he did a fine job with what he was given. So I'll give it to Joe. And finally, how would you rate this episode on a scale of 1 to 10 lightning bolts? The point system is allowed, Millie. And if you found the episode exceptional, deserving of more than a 10, you may archive the episode in the Flash Museum. Let's start strong. Brittany, what is your rating? Okay, I'm going to give this episode an 8.5. It was a really solid, good episode, especially for Cisco, given, you know, we've been bitching about his, you know losing his powers or giving up his powers story. Like, so I'm glad they gave him something with that and maybe foreshadowed of what's to come. Like the, 
Maybe the cure didn't take away all his powers. Maybe they just suppressed it. I don't know. I hope they do something with that because otherwise, why is Cisco here? There was a lot of uh, speculation that he was that the actor was leaving too because of that storyline. So I need to know where they're going with this, and I hope that has something to do with it. Um, I enjoyed the entire episode. I did miss Barry and Iris, but I'm glad that they're going and they're having their, you know, sexy time. But, um, yeah, an 8.5 for me because it was just a nice little break from the crisis. Um, but it was a really good time to shine some light on Cisco and to, it's good to know that he's moving on and, you know, that he's going to always remember Cynthia as someone who was really important to him and she helped him become the person he is today. Dimitri, how would you rate this episode? I, you know what? I'm going to stay on the 8.5 train. I was just thinking an 8 feels too low for the amazing job that Carlos Valdez did. But a 9 feels too high in that I wasn't, like, super, super engaged. I was motivated to find out who killed Gypsy and, you know, see that be wrapped up. But it wasn't, like, you know, all these, like, great flash moments or anything. Um, so yeah, 8.5 seems, seems fair. I, I think it's probably the best Cisco centered episode we've had. Um, and, uh, and I'm, I'm glad we, we had it. It, I think in terms of plot development, it was slightly a filler episode, but it didn't feel like a filler episode. And as long as that, that is the case, you know, I'm, I'm happy to, to watch them it's it's when the filler episodes clearly feel like oh this is a throwaway that that it kind of gets annoying millie how would you rate this filler episode <laughs> i would have to give it a 7.8 um as i said as i'm being teased of it it felt fillery-ish and i think that's the only reason why i didn't like I think maybe feel like that completely is because we haven't gotten a lot of Cisco love. So it kind of makes up for that. But overall, I mean, despite that, I felt like a lot of the like storylines just felt a little kind of um, preachy and the writing just kind of didn't really do it for me. It just felt like everyone's kind of saying the same thing, but just in different ways besides that. But so mostly the seven all the way up to about the 7.6 is just because Carlos Valdez did such a great job on that. Okay, a lot of positivity so far. Jeff, have we have we melted your cold heart? Have we turned you towards the light, or are you going to give in to the toxic internet culture of our time? The toxic internet culture of our time. Um, yeah, I, I'm I'm not actually as nice as my Asian sister over here. Um, she was in the sevens. I'm going to give it a 6.8. If I were to give this a letter grade, we don't give letter grades until the end of the season. We give a letter grade for the entire season, that kind of thing. Uh, on a weekly basis, we give a number. If I were to give it a letter, it would be a, probably like a C for me. It, it I didn't like the main storyline. The B and C plots were interesting. Uh, I do understand why the main storyline existed, so I'm not going to completely uh, crap all over it. Um, there were some good moments in it as well, but I just, I genuinely didn't care for it. And and I think the main storyline really reiterated for me the stupidity of the Cisco no longer having his power storyline, which I really disliked last season. So maybe that's what sort of clouded that storyline and, and just made me really not care for it. But um, there were some shining moments, but it was, it was too far and, and few in between. So um I'm going to give it a 
Well, I'm going to stand with the good and right-thinking people of the world and also give it an 8.5. Uh, I thought it was a really enjoyable episode. Um, uh, I thought the, the writer's misdirects were really good because they were playing on our expectations uh, and, uh, and surprised us. And, uh, yeah, for all the reasons we've talked about, I thought it was a very solid episode, certainly worth a reviewing. So join us next time for a brand-new installment of The Central City Citizen. Once again, here's our announcer to remind you on how you can interact with us. Like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash the central city citizen. Follow Poppy Chula Radio on social media. We are on Facebook, Instagram, Tumblr, Twitter, and YouTube at Poppy Chula Radio. Do you have any questions, suggestions, comments, or concerns? Email us via contact at poppychularadio.com. Help support Poppy Chula Radio financially by visiting GoFundMe dot com slash poppy chula radio are you interested in joining the poppy chula radio team as an on-air personality or blog contributor email talent at poppy radio.com binge listen to your favorite poppy chula radio programs by visiting poppy radio.com slash archives you can also download tonight's broadcast and the rest of the series through apple podcasts and google play just search for the central city citizen and subscribe Thanks, announcer. Co-hosts, please wish the listeners a good night. Brittany. Good night, everyone. And you can catch me on Twitter at Damon's Lover. That's D-A-M-O-N-S-L-O-V-E-R-R. Millie. Good night, Central City. You can follow me on Twitter as at the Asian Nerd. Dimitri. United Central City, if you want to live tweet with me next week for Black Lightning or The Flash, I'm at Brown Bald Beauty on Twitter, and that's my handle on Instagram as well. And Jeff. Someone should tell him he won't be live tweeting The Flash. I'll mention that in a moment. Okay. You can find me on social media all over Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, uh, simply at Poppy Chula Radio. Thanks for tuning in. Download new episodes of The Central City Citizen every Thursday via Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and the Poppy Chula Radio Archives. But a quick programming note, no new episode of The Flash next week, so we'll be back in two weeks. Good night.